Welcome to the Vision Church Podcast. We are so excited to have you with us. We hope this message will encourage and inspire you to walk out your God-given vision. Now here's today's message. And let me tell you, I have a good word for you this morning, so you better get ready. How, how many of you have ever remember watching those movies? Um, uh, for instance, like uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, you know, or... Uh, What's another? Cinderella. One of, these, one of these movies. Okay, and what did the movie always end with? It always ended with a phrase. And they, uh, and they <laughs> is it already behind me? Okay. <laughs> and they lived happily ever after. And that's the title of my message this morning. So let's pray and hang with me, okay? Don't check out just from the title, okay? Hang with me. But would you believe with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we thank you for speaking to our hearts, Lord. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive exactly what you have for us. We receive it this morning in Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, greet your neighbor again, or tell him it's good to see him, and you can be seated. You say, man, you certainly have people greet each other quite often. Yes, we do, because we just we want you to get connected. We don't just want to come. We don't just want to come to church and visit church. We want to get connected. Amen. So. Happily ever after. You know, I don't know if you've, you've, I'm sure, noticed this, but when you go to a movie, the story is normally about the relationship leading up to the I do, right? Or the marriage, or the we're going to be together, you know? I mean, it's, all, it's usually about boy meets girl, there, and then there's some kind of conflict, and then eventually they wind up together at the end, right? The big ending is they get together. Okay, and I, I, saw, I saw this post on Facebook, I started laughing because, you know, I know a lot of people like to watch Hallmark, especially around the holidays. Well, this one lady that I saw, she, she did this post and it said, um, <clears throat> you know, is every movie going to be the same? Is every storyline going to be the same? Is, is boy going to meet girl and are they going to wind up together at the end? And she said, yes. And am I going to watch every one of them? Yes. <laughs> so... You know, people enjoy a good story, don't we? We want there to be a happy ending. But one thing I've noticed is they don't make too many movies about the happily ever after. You know, getting married, getting together, saying I do, that's just ground zero. And I, my wife and I, we had the privilege to attend this conference, and there was this amazing speaker there, and he said something that stunned me. He said, you know, my wife... He said, my wife came to me recently and said, honey, you have an amazing vision for your ministry. You have an amazing vision for where you want, where you see God taking us. She said, let me ask you a question. What's your vision for your family? What's your vision for our marriage? And I went, and it stunned me. I thought about it. And that's one of the reasons that this church is called Vision Church is because we believe God wants us to have a vision uh, because it says in Proverbs 29, 18, what does it say? It says, where there is no vision, people perish. Things are dying in people's lives because they don't have a vision, a vision beyond ground zero, you know? And what I discovered was I, I need to have a vision for my family. When I heard that, I thought, Lord, I began to take stock. God, what's my vision for my family? What's my vision for my marriage? And how can I go 
to the next level? How can I keep in, in, intimacy beyond the happily and live the happily ever after? Beyond the I do, right? Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about that this morning. Because some people feel that there's a honeymoon period, honeymoon phase, right? Where, you know, everything is, is really cool for the first year. But then after that, it's like, you know, it may be like when my cousin got married, his, his well-meaning brothers. No, not really. They're, they were characters. But they painted on the back of his car, just buried. Just buried. I thought, well, that's a wonderful uh, send-off for your brother. <laughs> but, but God wants our honeymoon phase to go way past just a phase. He wants it to be continual. And so let's read, if you would, turn in your Bibles over to Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. And this is the Lord speaking to the church at Ephesus. And I want you to listen to what he said. He complimented them in verse 2. He said, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear with those who are evil. <clears throat> and you have tested those who say that I am a, an apostle and are not, and have found them to be liars. And you have persevered and have had patience and have labored for my namesake and have not become weary. Man, big compliment. These guys are doing well. But then in verse 4 he says this, Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. In essence, what he's saying is, you don't love me the way that you used to at the start. <clears throat> and then in verse 5, he says, remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works. Meaning, love me the way you did initially. Be as excited as you were initially. Let me read it to you out of the, uh, this is the easy to read version in verse 4. It says, but I have this against you, that you have left your first love, or you have left the love that you had at the beginning. So remember where uh, you were before you fell. Change your hearts and do what you did at the first. So God is calling them back to live in the happily ever after. There's a passion. There was a desire. There was an excitement about the relationship. And something caused them to fall away from that and so I want to talk a little bit about that this morning and so I'm going to give you uh, some ways to live in the happily ever after in fact when Nicole and I were going to get married I don't boy there were two of you that were excited about the happily ever after <laughs> husbands wives is a good opportunity isn't it everybody it's a good opportunity uh, but I remember when Nicole and I were you know we were in that we were in that excitement stage stage we were in the chase I was chasing her and she was slowing down so I could catch her you know I mean it was a really good situation you know and boy but I was chasing her and I remember all all through that and we were taught we were at the place in our relationship where we were talking about marriage it's important guys to talk about marriage especially if before you're married <laughs> talk about everything okay I mean just talk about kids talk about how you feel about uh, about uh, uh, um, correction discipline talk about uh, how many kids you're going to have I mean man the more you can talk about the better it's going to be when you step into marriage you're 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 better prepared for it but during this chase time I one of the things I I thought about was Lord I don't want this to end at the end of the chase when we say I do I want you to teach me how to live in the happily ever after 
And the interesting thing I found in this verse as I was studying was that God gives them the plan how to live in the happily ever after. So you guys ready? How many are you excited? That, that was better. That is great. We're excited. So number one, ways to live in the happily ever after. According to that verse, God said in verse 5, he said, first of all, remember. Remember. This is a powerful word because there's a danger is that when you get into a routine, you settle in, then your passion begins to diminish. When you allow yourself to get comfortable and, and, and it begins to diminish that passion to where husbands, you, you, all of a sudden you're chasing your wife less and less. You know, as the years go by, you're, I mean, you're doing things, but maybe there's not that excitement, there's not that passion that was there once. Maybe it's the same way in your relationship with Jesus, where your relationship with God was there was this passion, this desire, this excitement about God initially, but then after that, man, all of a sudden, you settled in. Yeah, I, I, I equate it to summer camp. How many of you went to summer camp? Had an experience at summer camp. Man, I don't know about you, but <clears throat> Monday, you were just detoxing. Monday, Tuesday, you were detoxing off of your normal life, right? I mean, you had all of your comforts of home, and now you're in this strange place with strange smells. You're sleeping on a bed with no air conditioner. You're fighting over the fan. You're fighting over who gets the best bed. And then you're going, and you're going to morning conference. You're going to afternoon conference. You're getting a little swim in the afternoon riding a horse that, that you weren't comfortable being on, coming back to eat food that you're not normally comfortable eating, to then go into the night session, and then you get past Tuesday into Wednesday, and all of a sudden you start to begin to realize, man, God's, you're, you know, you're starting to settle in, you're starting to get used to it. And man, by Friday, that place lit on fire. Maybe you didn't go to the same summer camp I went to, but it's all right, hang with me, hang with me. But I, I'm telling you, I remember this one Friday in particular. We, are in, we were in this summer camp. And the cool thing about summer camp is it pulls you away from everything. You don't have, you know, anything but, but what you're there for. And, and I remember we were there at this summer camp, and, and it was our youth group, and there were four other youth groups, five other youth groups that were part of this summer camp. And so at night, the worship teams would lead worship. So it was another church the first night, another church the second night, another night. And our night was Friday night. Well, fr by the time Friday night rolled around, I mean, we had morning, afternoon, and evening sessions. I mean, we're just getting the Word of God. Boom, boom, boom. And yeah, we were doing fun and crazy stuff too, but man, the Word of God was coming in. And you, you can't just hear the Word of God and it not begin to change you on the inside. It not begin to do, and, and let me tell you, out there in the wilderness, back in the day that I was growing up, there was no competition. I mean, there's nothing else to compete with it. And so by Friday night, our, our band was playing, and I was playing drums in the youth band. And I remember, man, just the expectancy that was in the air. And our band just started playing a little warm-up, kind of come to the come to the pavilion type music, nothing real spiritual. I mean, just we were just having fun. But man, you could sense something is getting ready to happen. Why? There was a hunger that was growing, a desire that was growing, a passion that was growing in all of us, all of these kids, all of us. And do you know what? We, we started praise and worship. It was our first song. 
and the and worship takes off and man we start playing and we start worshiping and I'm telling you the Spirit of God hit that place three hours later did you hear me three do I need to say it again <gasps> I won't say it that loud three hours later man all through that song that first song man the Spirit of God just hit this place and the next thing I know, probably maybe an hour had gone by, all of a sudden kids are, are start to go. You see them begin to walk. I mean, people are laying out. God, God is doing works all around the room. People are dancing. People are crying. People are going, uh, young kids are going to their friends and asking them to forgive them. On the other side, God's restoring relationships. And then we come back home. What happened? You settle back in. You come back to the routine. You come back to the busyness. You come back to all the stuff. And the fire began to dwindle. It began to die. Not, I mean, not die completely, but I mean, it just, the passion came down. Man. And so... That's what happened for the, to the Ephesians. The Ephesians, they were busy serving God. They were busy working for God and obeying Him. And so if you can't tell, I have a little illustration here for you. Because this is what happens. I'm going to use my wedding ring because this is the most precious thing that I own right here. It's my wedding ring. And so let's say that this is your relationship with Jesus. I'm amazed I can still get that off, by the way. And so you've made Jesus the Lord of your life. And so now you're in Christ, right? You're living for Him. But now you can get busy doing good things. Did we read anything that the Ephesians were doing that was not good? It was all good. God complimented them. But he said, listen, I have this against you. You've left your first love. And, and the reason is, is because they got busy. See, when I came back from youth camp, I got busy with life. And so that thing that was precious to me began to disappear. It began to not disappear completely. It was still there, but it began to get buried in other things. And the next thing I know, I'm just so busy back in the routine that it's all but disappeared. You don't even know what's in there anymore. Have we allowed this to happen in our relationship with Jesus? Allowed it to be like a grave that we've thrown the dirt of busyness on that grave? I'm telling you, God is calling us today to dig it back up and to find, pull out that thing that's, pre if I can find it, where, where did my ring go? There it is. But pull that thing back out. And there's a reason that it goes there. I remember when I woke up the day after I was married, and, I, and this ring was way too big for my hand. 
at <laughs> that time. I mean, I could just put my hand down and go, ding, 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 you know. <laughs> so my whole honeymoon, I swam like this, you know. <laughs> and until and, we got it resized. But I remembered waking up, and that was the first thing I looked at. And we've been married for 27 years now. But, well, coming up, 27. I didn't do that for an applause, but thank you. Um, but the important thing about that is that the chase is not over. The chase is not over. God is bringing me back to my first love. Last night we went out on a date, you know, and I mean it was nothing, just, uh, you know, it, it, it was dinner together, sitting down, talking, having a great time, but I've got to continue to chase. Why? Because what I put into relationships is what I'm going to get out of those relationships. What I put into my relationship with my wife is what I'm going to receive back from her. And I'm glad all you husbands are shaking your heads. Yes, I can see it. So let me give you the word remember. Okay, in the Greek, I'm going to spell it to you. M-N-E-I-A. M-N-E-I-A in the Greek. The word remember means a written record used to memorialize a, person, a person's actions. Okay, so this would be, uh, you know, the, and they, it goes on to say statue, a monument, a tombstone, Okay, in Kansas City, there is a memorial for World War I. Washington, D.C., there's a memorial for uh, World War II. There's a memorial for the Korean War. There's a memorial for the Vietnam War. There's all types of memorials. In fact, if you go to Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, and you go to Floral Haven Funeral Home and Cemetery, you'll find a marker that's a memorial to my dad, Frank Johnson. Across the way, you can see, and you'll see a memorial for Kenneth E. Hagan, where he's buried there and why are those important because memorials help you remember helps you remember amen man you know i heard about this woman she her name was peggy for 60 years she didn't know what happened to her husband he'd fought in world war ii he's a fighter pilot and he fought over france and that was all she knew she didn't know if he was killed in action or if he was missing in action or what had happened until one day they discovered that he was buried in Normandy. They found this out. And so they traveled there. She traveled there. And she wanted to see the grave, the, you know, and the marker. And so when she saw it, it went a little further. She discovered, <laughs> and this was really interesting, that 60 years ago he was flying over this little village. Now, I'm not gonna, I don't know if I should try to say it because it's French. If Nancy was up here, she could say it, say it amazingly. But it's, it's, how do you say less? L-E-S, lay? Okay, lay. Um, lay, uh, let me say it right. Ventes, V-E-N-T-E-S. Ventes, le ventes. Anyway, it's a, it's a village. Um, <clears throat> it's a village there, and, and this village, unbeknownst to her, they had named a street after her husband, Billy Harris. She goes, what? And then, and then they said, yeah, we have, a, we have a day every year that we celebrate and we memorialize Billy Harris. She said, what? Well, how come? And they said, because during World War II, 
He was injured in his plane. His plane had been crippled, and it was all he could do to steer a plane that was headed directly for their village into an abandoned field and crash it in the field. Instead, one of the men from the village ran to the airplane and tried to stay, save him, but it was too late. He, he couldn't get to him. And the mayor of that village said, he said, we don't forget. We don't forget. We have a memorial for 9-11 in New York City. Every year, we recall that. Why? Because it reminds us of what happened. Wow. So, think about this. God did amazing things in Egypt, didn't he? Plague after plague after plague. And then he brought Israel out after 400 years of slavery in an amazing way. Performed all these miraculous things. And if that hadn't have been enough, Pharaoh and his army, they chase after him. They, they think they have him cornered at the Red Sea. And what does God do? He parts the Red Sea <laughs> and, and puts dry ground out there for them to walk on all the way. And then when they get all the way across, in comes Pharaoh and his army. And God overwhelms them with the water. And they drown. Right? And then what happened? When they got into the wilderness, they didn't remember. They forgot all the miracles that God had done. And they said, what did you do, Moses? You brought us out here to kill us with starvation? Kill us with no water? They didn't remember, did they? Man, memories must be deliberately maintained and cultivated if we want if we want them to stay in our hearts and in our minds. We have to cultivate them, right? And so that's why it's important for you personally to memorialize what God has done for you. Keep a journal. Man, when God does miraculous signs, write it down. You know, I shared with you all the miraculous things that God did with, you know, purchasing the things that we needed and bringing the money in. Man, we wrote that down. You know what that does for you moving forward? You can believe for greater things. Why? Because God did this back here. Man, some, you might be facing things this morning, and you're going, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I want to encourage you. Go back to your journal. Look at your journal and go, man, God, I remember when you came through here. I remember when you provided this. I remember when you did this in my life. And Lord, I thank you that you're no different today. You're going to do it today. Remember. Number two, what he talked about was repent. I'm going to use the word return. Return, come back. Let me read that same verse, Revelation 2, 5, out of the NLT. It says, turn back to me and do the works you did at first. So you, in order to do that, you have to refocus, redirect, replat. Right? GPS, what's it do when you get off course? It replats. And it comes up with another way to make you turn around and head the direction that you're supposed to to go it causes you to return remember in Luke 15 there was this young man and he came to his dad and he said dad I want my inheritance now I don't I don't want to wait until you're dead and gone he said I want my inheritance now and his good father gave him his inheritance and what did he do he went out and he blew it all he spent all the money spent all of it and once his money was gone his friends were gone <laughs> so-called friends all the people he knew they're all gone and then he began to be in want. He took a job working for a pig farmer and he started feeding the pigs and he was looking at what he was feeding the pigs going, man, I, I want to eat that. I'm so hungry. 
the Bible says that nobody gave him anything. But what happened, it says in verse 17, that when he came to his senses, came to himself, he realized, man, I had it much better. Even my servants have it better than I do at my father's house. I'm going to go and see if I wanted to be his servant. But you know what? The father is not that way, and he's not that way with you either, you and I. Sometimes we feel like we've messed it up. We may have blown it just like the prodigal son. Let me tell you, when you begin to come home, he runs to you. Runs to you. Puts his finger, his ring on your finger. Puts a robe on your back. Thank God he doesn't put his finger on your finger. So, one of the things that's an indicator of a backslidden heart is the loss of joy. Maybe you've experienced this in your own life. It's hard to, to keep yourself joyful when you're not connected to Jesus, when that relationship is beginning to separate. And then the third thing is this, re-engage. Re-engage. He said do. Do. The reason I use the word re-engage is because it indicates that you were doing something before and now you need to do it again. You were chasing God in your relationship before, and, he, and now it's time to come back to that. That's what he's telling the church at Ephesus, is now it's time to come back and chase God once again. James chapter 1, verse 22 says, but be doers of the word, not hearers only. Why is it important to be a doer? Because a doer is the only one that gets results. The doer is the one that gets results. Not the tape player. Not the CD listener, not the MP3 listener, not the conference attender, the doer. Because it, it, we can go to conference all day long, but if you don't do what you hear in conference, it's not going to make a difference in your life. I don't know about you guys, I, I like to listen to Terry Savelle Foy, uh, Jerry Savelle's daughter. And she talks a lot about leadership. And one of the things, she just wrote a book uh, called... Um, is it eight? How many things is it? Five things. Five things that successful people do before 8 a.m. And she talks about all these different things. And she found that success in her life came when she, when she began to change her daily routine. What happened? When she became a doer. That's what makes successful people successful is they are willing to do what others are not willing to do. Good preaching. So, so I'm, I'm, encouraging, I'm encouraging you. I'm encouraging myself, okay? That's the only reason I say that. I'm just pumping myself up. But <clears throat> I encourage you to begin to chase God again. Maybe you just come to a place in your relationship with God that you said, you know, I've kind of pulled away from him in some things. I haven't been reading the word like I need to. I haven't been praying like I need to. I haven't been seeking him like I needed to. Maybe you've been trying to figure things out on your own. And, and God's saying, hey, I, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. I want to I help you. I want to help you. That's why I'm here. I, was, I had uh, dinner Monday night with a friend of mine that I enjoy getting to get with him often because uh, He's a successful business person, and I just, I love listening to successful business people, hearing their story, and, and getting ideas, and we were talking about missions, and he was talking about several mission trips that he'd been on, 
and he was going on these mission trips with this the, with this other businessman that owned I mean he he, uh, he retired from his business that he owned and so what he would do is he would buy containers full and fill them with um, kids shoes kids shirts uh, all kinds of kids clothes and they would ship it down to Africa and then he and my friend would fly down there and they would give the clothes away well they did this you know about every quarter and what they discovered was after they did it about three different times um, this this former business owner was going you know I don't want to do it this way anymore because they were giving clothes to the kids but then they were finding the same kids were coming back and then by the third time they were coming back and they were wearing really nice clothes and really nice shoes and everything and they were like what are we doing and he said okay I, I don't want to give them the fish so that they can eat I want to teach them how to fish so you know what he decided to do he discovered that he could set up a chicken house down there for fifteen hundred dollars for them and set them up with the chickens that they needed so that then then they could take the eggs and they could sell the eggs and market but then they could raise the chickens and they could sell the chickens part of the chickens too so they could pay this fifteen hundred dollar loan back in two years you say pay the loan back yeah wait he's teaching them to fish and by the end of two years when they've paid that loan back he gives them the business now provide for your family provide for your family man that was powerful James chapter 4 verse 8 says draw near to God and he will draw near to you who does the drawing first that's me <laughs> you know some people say you know well this person's not very friendly well were you friendly anyway because sometimes you have to get over the way people respond or how they look or they may not seem friendly on the surface but our job is not to base to decide determine whether or not we're going to be friends with someone based on whether or not they're friendly to us why because we sow what we want to receive we sow friendliness and then Man, some of my best friends were people that I had to get over humps with. That I thought, man, they're just not very nice. I didn't know if we were going to be friends or not. And we turned into lifelong friends. Why? Because I drew close to them. And then they, in turn, drew close to me. God is asking us to do the same thing this morning. And I tell you, I, I'm so impacted by this message because I, I realized in my own life, no matter where I am, spiritually or where I think I am I need to come back to my first love because unintentionally you'll begin to drift you know life will drift you that way you know um, <clears throat> if you don't have your anchor set it'll just take you wherever it wants you to go but you know and, and you guys have seen you've built a fire you know that when embers get pushed away from the fire they burn out they fizzle out the fire begins to die but when we come back when we return when we re-engage in our relationship with God the fire begins to grow and it begins to grow and as you meet friends and you talk to people business associates wherever you are God begins to open up opportunities for you to minister to them 
Why? Because they can see the fire that's inside of you. They can see the passion that's inside of you. They can see the desire that's growing on the inside of you. <laughs> and they see that you're not just having a relationship with God, but you're experiencing God's goodness in your life. You're experiencing His favor. You're experiencing healing in your own life. You're experiencing blessing that's coming your way. Thanks so much for listening. If you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so at visionnwa.com forward slash give. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast available on iTunes and SoundCloud. Vision Church, vision for life.